Hey y'all, welcome to Beyond Consulting, the podcast dedicated to helping listeners navigate a career after consulting. I'm Stephen Haug, host of Beyond Consulting and director at ECA Partners. Each week on the podcast, we host folks who have spent some time in consulting, but have since made a career pivot or a change. Before we get started, I want to thank ECA Partners for sponsoring Beyond Consulting. ECA is an executive search and on-demand consultant firm specializing in former consultants and private equity. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Nate Lesser, Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer at Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C., and former Booz Allen Hamilton Consultant. Nate, welcome to Beyond Consulting. Steve, thanks for having me. Good. Well, Nate, we mentioned that you did spend some time in consulting, but that's not where you started your career. So let's go back to the beginning. Love to hear about that story and perhaps your motivation for pivoting into consulting in the first place. Sure. So I started as an engineer. I have always enjoyed solving problems. And the reality is that some technical background and uh, field, whether it's engineering or hard science, math, or any other discipline that forces you to really think analytically, is a fantastic background for consulting and for many other things. And I found that Throughout my career, I was really interested in moving from problem to problem and spending some time and energy digging deep quickly. But it turns out I wasn't a particularly good engineer because I was too impatient to spend the kind of time that one does to have some novel breakthrough. Just like a scientist, engineers spend hours and days and weeks and years often working to refine a specific solution before they do something novel. And I was way too impatient for that. That took me through graduate school and gave me an opportunity to try some new things. One of those, after moving to Washington, D.C., we actually came to D.C., myself and my family, right after graduate school on something called the Presidential Management Fellowship, which allowed me to see how government works from a 30,000-foot view. And it was only after my first round of different assignments and work within government that I left and joined Booz Allen as a consultant. And I found that transition to be enlightening and exciting and in many cases challenging, but it all kind of centered around the same idea of taking on new assignments, solving new problems, looking for novel solutions. And that's what my career has largely been about. And it's uh, what I look for in people out hiring. So you have the engineering background, and then before you joined Booz Allen Hamilton, you spent some time in government as well. Did those two skill sets or two types of experience you know, kind of marry well in your consulting days? What I'm getting at there is I want to hear about the types of projects you ended up working on. At Booz Allen, you mean, and when I was consulting? Yeah. So the role that I was in inside government, I worked in the Office of Management and Budget at the White House. And I spent some time on detail to the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee of the Senate. So I had an opportunity really to continue the work that I had been doing as an engineer, which was all in national security projects, and to continue to focus my energy on security. This was right around the beginning of the Department of Homeland Security. So there was a need within the offices that I worked to have someone who had some technical depth and was able to work very closely with the departments that I was overseeing to better understand at a deep level the work that they were attempting to do and the new changes that they wanted to make, whether it was from a policy perspective or a technical perspective or a regulatory perspective, or when I was on the Hill, whether it was a new bill. The transition to consulting from there was really interesting because I've always stayed in the security arena, whether it was national security or homeland security, or for the last almost 20 years in cybersecurity. 
So at Booz Allen, I had the opportunity to start moving into more managerial work. And that was where I was leading teams and working on projects, consultants that were selling their time and energy and skills back into the government, but working uh, across various different departments and agencies, whether that was the Department of Transportation, Health and Human Services, NASA, Department of Defense, FBI. There was a lot of great work to be done and a lot of hard problems to solve. And I had the opportunity to work with some outstanding people in, in trying to help solve those problems. Altogether, how much time did you spend at Booz Allen? Four years. I think just shy of four years. Whenever you joined, were you planning on just being a career consultant or did you have a number of years in mind that you were going to spend there before leaving? (laughs) I have tended to switch jobs every four years. I mean, I don't know if that's a DC thing or just the way that uh, my career has uh, shaken out. But I would say at some point, I used to get antsy. I would always be looking for the next thing. Probably as I've gotten older, that's uh, you know slowed down a little bit. I, I kind of envision a longer-term career where I am today. But it's always really about being continually stimulated by the problems that are in front of us. And so if I ever get to the point where I feel like we've largely made progress, put in place systems that work, I generally feel like there is someone better than me to take those systems, those processes, those solutions, and continue to refine them and make them more efficient. I'm usually the person who likes to step into a role and take on challenges when there's a lot of newness to them, when there are new challenges in front of a team or an organization. And then I find that my skills are not as well aligned to next stage of, you know, if you kind of think of hockey stick growth, they often talk about with startups. There's the people who are in those early days trying to figure out what the future might look like generally better at that than the day in and day out work it takes to do the kind of efficiency and really process refinement that comes later on in the growth cycle of a company and organization. Tell us a little bit about the end of your tenure at Booz Allen. What were you thinking about? And did you have a particular industry or type of role that you were targeting? Well, I will say one of the challenges I found in consulting is that there is a kind of built-in misalignment between And it's probably true in any service industry, but there's a bit of a misalignment between that's built into the system between consultants and their clients. If you're selling a contract that's time and materials, you make more money if it takes longer. As a customer, you want that to be done as efficiently as possible. I always felt that Booz Allen was a place where they did a very good job of thinking long-term, right? We want these relationships to be perpetual and perennial. We want them to go for many, many years And there was an internal ethos of do what's best for your clients. And I think many consulting organizations have that. At the same time, that's a cultural thing that requires constant care and feeding because the system is really set up to create a bit of a misalignment of incentives. I found that to be challenging. I had in front of me an opportunity to move back into government that was really sort of unprecedented. I, for me, at least in my career, I've always been interested in innovation. I've always been interested in problem solving. And as I started to think about what was next for me in my career, one of the best pieces of advice that a friend gave me was to sit down and articulate what it is I want to do, right? Forget any constraints, sit down, blank piece of paper, in an ideal world, what would it look like? And I actually still have, I think I put it into a slide deck. I said, I still have that slide deck around somewhere. And I kind of listed the things I was interested in. 
And then it, over time, it gelled into this notion of an innovative answer to some of the world's most challenging cybersecurity problems by bringing together talent from government, academia, and the private sector. And the same friend said, once you've done that, once you've kind of done the process of envisioning what you might want to do next, refine it into a five-minute kind of pitch. And then just talk to people about it. Go out and find all the people around who you think might have any interest in hearing you talk and sit down with them and ask, what do you think of this? This is an idea I have. I want to do this thing. So I was lucky enough in that I was in a role that was pretty secure at the time. And I could just, you know, spend a little bit of my free time talking to people about this. And I happened to go out to lunch with a friend who had been on the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee of the Senate when I went there for a short stint. And we had kept in touch, and he had since moved to the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And so for those who don't know, NIST is a, it's kind of a funny place. It's an organization with a more than 100-year history, 110-year history probably, in setting standards and being the U.S. national lab for testing, right? So establishing scientific standards. In the last 30-plus years, NIST became the organization within government that established standards for cybersecurity, for non-national security systems, for the entire civilian side of government. NIST established, established, establishes, continues to establish the cybersecurity standards. The people who do that work are so incredibly talented that those standards have then been adopted across industry. So it's not just government. You go out to any private sector entity, pretty much. There are, and the cybersecurity teams there are aware of NIST. They know about the NIST standards. They know about the NIST special publications. It's a just kind of a weird. If you've never gone through this, you, you don't. NIST is a is an arcane organization that you know most people don't know what it is. And yet, within the cybersecurity world, everybody knows about NIST, and everybody knows about you know NIST special publication eight hundred fifty three, which sounds absurd to you know anybody who doesn't live in that world. The friend of mine who was working there at the time said, "You know, we just got this funding to establish this new thing, and honestly, it came in an appropriations bill, and we're not entirely certain what the senator who put it in was looking for." But your thing sounds pretty cool. Let's see if we can do that. And so over the course of a very short period of time, and the way government moves, so maybe a couple of months, we went from that one lunch to my starting to work at, at NIST, specifically helping to stand up something called the National Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. And working with the fantastic folks there had the opportunity to start to take those standards and best practices that the people at NIST build and figure out practical implications. So I, I got to build a great team of engineers. I had an opportunity to work with outstanding people across industry and government and academia to solve some of the nation's really most critical and challenging cybersecurity problems. That's really interesting. It sounds like you were able to join almost a startup inside of government. How common is that? And if somebody was intrigued by your story here and said, that's what I want to do, what advice would you have for them? Well, I would just be regurgitating this advice that I got from a fantastic friend of mine, but she really helped me frame what it was I want to do. And I have to say, I think even if somebody wants to go and do something completely different, right? So let's say you want to go be a chef. It's still incredibly valuable to sit with your own thoughts for a little bit, try and articulate what it is you want to get out of the next step in your career, 
and then talk to people. You, uh, you know, most of us who spend any time in consulting, whether it's government consulting or strategy consulting, really any problem solving career, we are all kind of hardwired to learn from the people around us. So use those people. You know, if you're a good researcher, go do research. But if you're in, in consulting, you're likely someone who has a whole bunch of skills. And in my experience, you're someone who probably is a very good problem solver and yet not exceptionally deep in any one area, which means that you learn from lots of different data sources. So go seek out those data sources. Take your idea and be open to listening and to hearing the kind of feedback that you get from the people you're talking to. I think of it as serendipity that I landed in that job. That's what kind of propelled the rest of my career. And then I went on to do some independent advisory and consulting work. I spent a lot of time in, in nonprofits and the venture capital world, all before landing in my current role, which, you know, there's no career greater than, for me at least, than being able to spend my days trying to help out children and families and the fantastic providers who care for them. So it's a really great opportunity to work in a children's national. But Wherever your career takes you, you're not going to get there if you can't articulate where it is you want to go and what you want to get out of it. That's a good point, Nate. Let's go ahead and fast forward because it does sound like your current position is quite rewarding. So let's dive in. Can you tell us a little bit about why you joined Children's National Hospital and then just the overview of the last two and a half years that you've spent there? Sure. So the cybersecurity, the information security team at Children's National is also a little bit like a startup inside of a 120-year-old organization. It's Children's National Hospital is the top five children's hospitals in the country in the D.C. region. So certainly in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, it's the top children's hospital. It's the place where people go to seek care for kids who are facing the most significant challenges and the most complicated medical diagnoses. It is also just organizationally a wonderful place. It's a nonprofit like a number of other freestanding children's hospitals. And in cybersecurity, if you have a strong background in cybersecurity, whether you're an engineer or a policy analyst or you work in security operations, you have a lot of opportunities available to you today. The most recent estimates put the current set of openings in the cybersecurity world at approximately 600,000. If you look at the entire universe of U.S.-based cybersecurity professionals, it's about 1.2 million. So literally half the cybersecurity workforce could leave their jobs tomorrow and walk right into another job. That makes it incredibly hard for people like me who are trying to hire great talent. So I use the one tool I have at my disposal, which is to say at some level of playing on people's conscience and their emotions, I say, you could go to a, a bank and work to protect people's money, and you will make more money yourself working there. Or you can come here, and you can spend your days working to protect children, their families, and the caregivers who work tirelessly to protect them and heal them. I don't have trouble sleeping at night. That's a good pitch, Nate. It seems to work. I've got an incredible team working for me. When I started, so back to the idea of a startup within a bigger organization, when I started at Children's, the information security team was me, one other guy, and a group of about five or six consultants who were on-site full-time kind of staff augmentation. Today, the team is 34, but we have three openings. So it's 31 plus three openings. And anyone who's listening to this who is working in cybersecurity consulting or wants a career in cybersecurity, come check out our openings. It's a fantastic place to work, and it's a really great team. But that kind of growth 
you only experience when you put in place, I don't have a small ego, I'll take some credit for the vision that we put in place, the strategy and the approach. But what I got was a couple of really outstanding leaders to come work with me, some from past parts of my career and others who I had never met before, but who saw the vision and really got exceptionally excited about the hospital and the work that all of our colleagues do. And they have built this incredible team. They have helped to reduce our risk significantly. And day in and day out, we take on exciting new challenges. So in some ways, it's like the best parts of consulting in my mind. We are a group of problem solvers who are constantly challenged with new and exciting problems to solve and work incredibly collaboratively, oftentimes throughout the night and when we have to, but who really work together to try and advance the information security program and the work of our colleagues and make sure that everybody is safe when they come into the hospital. I can see a lot of our listeners interested in a position like this one, Nate. Whenever you're building a team, which you've built many teams over your career, what are some of the things you look for when you're evaluating potential employees? It's a great question. I'll tell you, I'm a little bit of a geek for management strategy. And so I found that there are some really great resources out there to help you become a good boss. There are a few people out there for sure for whom it kind of comes naturally. I think they tend to have, you know, predisposition to something that I don't have. For me, it's a skill that required learning. So like other things that I was excited to learn, I spent a lot of time reading and talking to people. And there are some really, really outstanding resources. I'm thinking of, there's a book by Kim Scott called uh, Radical Candor. There's a book by a guy named John Doerr called Measure What Matters. But at the end of the day, what I look for is a creative mind. I look for people who are eager to solve problems. You're going to hear me say that over and over again if we keep talking. And I look for people who whether they have an ego or not, are capable of acknowledging it, being somewhat self-aware and saying, I know when I need to set this aside and how to so that I can be open to feedback so that I can listen clearly. And it's one of the things that I talk about even in the interview process when I'm meeting with candidates. I will almost universally say our team is built on the notion that Feedback is a constant process that you provide it in both directions, that it completely defies any title or position. So I expect anyone who works on my team at any level to call me out and say, Nate, you just did something really dumb and that doesn't work for us. Or you made an assumption here that wasn't right. At the same time, you know, and I'm not always excited about the term radical anything. At the same time, it's essential, I think, to be kind in those processes and you can do it. It's not unattainable. There was a point in my career when I almost took a job at a hedge fund. It's kind of notorious for being very, they call it radical transparency. Every conversation is recorded, every meeting, video, audio, that you're kind of under a microscope all the time and you're constantly reevaluating your own actions. Some of that I found incredibly appealing, right? Like, okay, if I have a disagreement, we can get to some kind of ground truth because we can go to the tape. Like, at the same time, I think you have to be very careful about culture and very intentional because those approaches can lead toward people saying, it doesn't matter if I am kind toward you. All that matters is whether I'm right. And that is not the kind of team that I want to work for. It's not the kind of environment I want to be in. So it's not the team that I look to build. What I look for is people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone, 
willing to listen, willing to stand up and push back when they think they're right about something, but to find ways to do it in a kind fashion. Are there any large projects or things that you're very excited about right now that you're working on at Children's National Hospital that you can share with us? Oh, too many, too many to name. <laughs> the medical industry, healthcare, hospitals in particular, we face a incredible onslaught of information security attack, of cyber attacks. We possess the most valuable information out there. So if you look at the street value of a medical record, by different estimates, it's somewhere between 100 and 1,000 times that of a credit card number. That's because it is the roadmap to stealing someone's identity. You can't revoke your medical history. It's not like I can go you know, cut off my credit card and change the number. I can do that. I can't go do that same thing with my medical record. It's, it is who I am. At the same time, we look at hospitals that have been held to ransom because of uh, cyber attacks and have been brought down for weeks and sometimes even more than a month on end. That's a really frightening prospect. So when I think about the projects we have in flight, the things that we're doing, they are all focused around how do we become more resilient? How do we become a less risky environment? And how do we simultaneously enable greater use of digital technologies in healthcare, greater use of data and data analysis, enable, as you know, we're also a research facility, the greater sharing of information across researchers. Those things often can stand at odds with security. I don't believe they have to, but we have to be creative in figuring out ways to enable those types of activities and to work with our colleagues, whether that's doctors and nurses, or it's the folks who are responsible for patient records and billing, or it's the researchers who develop new life-saving treatments. They have a job to do, and it's our responsibility to enable them to do that job efficiently and well and securely at the same time. Nate, I appreciate you walking us through parts of your career here and all the advice you've already given our listeners. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? You know, if you're interested in a career in cybersecurity, but you've not gotten there yet, or if you're not uh, working in cybersecurity today, but you have, you know, a broad base of strategy or management consulting, I would say I'm happy to talk to people. If it's a career direction that you want to take, I'd be more than eager to talk to you. And certainly if you want to come work with us at Children's, we're always looking for great talent. We've got jobs up on LinkedIn. Well, Nate, I appreciate that. It's a very generous offer. And thanks so much for joining us on Beyond Consulting. Great talking with you, Steve.